very warm welcome to all our listeners. We are delighted to bring to you the fourth episode of our podcast series, The Alumni Talkies. I am Ishan, and with me is my co-host Lieta. And today we are delighted to host Mr. Prasad. Prasad sir is a reputed commercial banker and thinker with over 14 years of experience as a part of financial services organizations like Kotak Mahindra, HSBC, Bajaj FinServ, etc. Currently, he is the EVP and regional business leader at Yes Bank. Credit analysis is one of his forte, along with P&L management and more. He is also working towards exploring new ventures at his end. A very warm welcome to you, sir. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you so much for having me on, and it's my pleasure. Great, sir. So, sir, uh, firstly, like we, I just uh, tell you that we have curated a bunch of questions from our batch, and uh, we are very okay. much looking forward to asking you that so that all the queries for our batch mates are resolved. So, thank you again. Starting with the first question, sir. So, what are the most common credit metrics banks usually look at? Okay, so um, uh, just a heads up uh, when I'm uh, you know discussing any of the questions with you, it will be yeah. from the perspective of you know commercial banking because yeah. that is where I have spent uh, all of my time. Uh, they are not. I mean, the answers will not be so relevant towards retail banking. I hope that's okay with you guys. Yes, sir, definitely. Yeah. So uh, when we talk about the credit metrics uh, from the banking perspective. there are uh, you know there are three main things which any banker looks at whenever you have uh, any credit proposal there are three main things one is the need where is the need for the client so you assess the need basis the financial statements looking at the business having a discussion with uh, you know all the stakeholders is there a need why the uh, the company or the business uh, needs funds the second right. uh, credit parameter which normally we look at is if there is a need then you know what is the quality of the credit i mean do you really want to take that call and lend money to that business or that company hmm. in that so you have a look at the balance sheet you have a look at the ratios you have a look at uh, you know the liquidity you have a look at how are the returns what is the profitability of the business how is the operating cycle and basis that you take a call that yes there is a need and there is a fair comfort we can lend to this customer and finally the third aspect which comes into the picture is you plan for the worst right so you say let's say uh, you lend today but tomorrow the asset goes bad what do you do True. so that is yeah. where your security comes into the picture so you look at the quality of the collateral right. you look at uh, the promoter standing okay you look at uh, can you have some kind of a structure which is self liquidating in nature so uh, you know these are the very very broad parameters that uh, bankers normally look at and when we go into the specific credit metrics you will have you know you look at uh, your liquidity ratios like what is the current ratio what is the quick ratio you look at when you're assessing for the working capital you look at the turnover ratios you look at the operating cycle you look at how how efficient the operating cycle is you do a peer comparison so you have a look at the other players in the similar industry how are their financials you look at what is the capital structure what is the gearing how much is the you know the promoter's own funds where are they deployed in the business and then of course in today's scenario increasingly it is a credit history because you have things like sibil uh, you have things like the sma checks wherein the bankers are have started giving each other heads up wherever there are accounts which are going bad 
So these are the broad parameters that you look at when you are looking at credit. Okay, got it. Thank you so much, sir. For like that was a really comprehensive answer. Like it had a lot of insights buried uh, within it. So the next question, sir, which we have, uh, like it was a very common question a lot of students had asked, uh, and it is, what type of a person makes a good credit analyst? So see, uh, in the course of your, um, you know, your uh, in the course uh, in your PGDM or MBA, whatever. Yes. you will learn everything that is there to do with credit analysis in terms of the uh, the theory the theory part of it so right. you will learn to see you know how to read a balance sheet what to look at in a pnl account what are the ratios what is the significance of each ratio how do you calculate that and once you go into the uh, into the real world you know hmm. all these things are available at the at the click of a button and you just click your mouse and all these things are available today it's so simple but what is going to differentiate you as a good credit analyst as a good credit person is how do you interpret those numbers so what you need to understand is that the business drives the numbers and not the other way around as a lot of credit analysts make the mistake that they only look at the numbers what you need to understand is that there is a business and hence there are numbers so understand the numbers in the context of the business if you can do that and that is you know easier said than done but if you can do that you will be a really really good credit person and another very important attribute is ask questions ask difficult questions ask questions where you know the person who has put the proposal in front of you or the company's representatives or the promoters ask them difficult questions wherein they understand that you know you have done your homework So yes sir yeah so so having uh, taking proper analysis uh, and having a proper understanding with respect to the business along with challenging oneself will definitely help uh, be a very good credit analyst as you said absolutely absolutely uh, going ahead sir uh, i would like to know how do you manage risk in your personal life you see i mean i, I it's this is a really it's a very very simple question see uh, for me i try and plan and to the extent possible whatever there is in my professional life the same thing i try to follow in my personal life that you know before rushing headlong into anything i ask questions i try and plan and look at the look at all the possible scenarios i mean that's that's the way i manage my risk but yes uh, i would like to tell this to uh, you know all of you guys who are you know soon to step into the corporate world see be ready to handle risks and uncertainties in your corporate life okay and don't don't be bogged down by them okay accept it as a way of life because that is what it is increasingly going to be the risk the uncertainty and the pace of change is only going to go up and you guys have to be really really well prepared to handle it that's that's my that's my two thoughts about it uh yes sir uh, i think it's a very interesting opinion because many people like in general tend to be uh, risk averse and they don't want to take up risk in the fear of losing out so going ahead i would also want to uh, know your thoughts uh, regarding uh, india's current credit system which is now uh, the lowest in the investment grade so what do you think are the steps that need to be taken in order to improve this and when do you see us getting an a rating so honestly i mean i i would be i mean i'm not sure i would be the right person to answer this question 
because you know the best minds in our country are currently working on this but what but what i can tell you from my experience and working uh, within the banking sector and working as a commercial banker what i can tell you is that you know it's it's just a matter of time okay uh, we have had a few difficult years plus uh, the pandemic has really uh, challenged the entire uh, entire globe the entire world similarly there have been challenges in the indian economy also but uh, we have a very very strong demand okay we have we still have the demographic advantage which is there with us so i am not really sure i would not be the right person to comment on the specific steps which the government or the policy makers should take but what i can definitely tell you is that it's just a matter of time there will definitely be an improvement because all the underlying themes all the underlying basic necessities that are required we have that so it is only a matter of time all of us need to be patient we need to do our bit and we need to continue putting in efforts you know the results will be there for everyone to see soon right sir so i believe that uh, the key points which you mentioned were that we already have everything in place we just need to be patient and yeah, keep putting we have, in we have everything in right. place we have we have you know like i said the demographic advantage is still there we have a huge demand True. in our country we have a young right. population we have people entering into the workforce and slowly slowly there are you know uh, a lot of things coming into the place in terms of the infrastructure in terms of the policies so right. you know it's just a matter of time we need to be patient and we need to continue giving efforts right so like the only way from here is up correct so so moving on so uh, i would like to know your take on the recent proposal <laughs> to recapitalize state owned banks and set up a bad bank to absorb uh, the non performing loans from a commercial point of view yeah so this is where yes i can definitely give you my perspective i think it's it's an interesting move and uh, it is also the need of the r because if you look at the banking sector whether it is the public sector banks or the private sector banks because between the uh, phus and the private sector banks we cover almost more than 80% of the banking in india so between right. these two sets the ratio of npas has gone up significantly in the last around 5 to 6 years so the cycle really started after 2013 so i would say 7 years 2013 so you take the best of the banks today i mean uh, you take even hdfc or kotak within the private sector or you take uh, let's say an sbi so if you look at their the the historical npa ratio and the npa ratio which they are running today even though in absolute terms in the best banks it may seem small but you will see that compared to their own history the the npas have gone up so there is definitely some capital which is getting stuck and today like i said for the earlier question that everything is in place so it is just a matter of time so one of the things where the time factor is going to be important is that businesses need timely funding so if the banking sector which is the main uh, supplier of credit to the businesses has to function the capital has to be freed up and that is where the bad bank is going to play a huge role that if the commercial banks can shift part of their bad assets to this bank it will free up their capital to do fresh lending and this bad bank can in a concentrated manner with a single point agenda look at the recoveries of these loans so it will be a win win situation so yes in my opinion i believe it's it's a step in the right direction uh, yes sir uh, we truly agree with that as well 
uh, it should be carried out in a more structured and detailed manner Absolutely. and definitely we will reap the benefits out of it as well going on with the next question this is a question that i am very inquisitive to know the answer to um how would you handle an important long time business client seeking a loan that your risk assessment tells you is not safe for the bank to make okay so this is a very interesting question and uh, you know we we face this situation quite frequently and uh, all of you guys who will soon enter the corporate world if any of you become corporate or commercial bankers you will also face this so understand this see the first and foremost fiduciary duty of a banker is to safeguard the money of the depositors okay the bank's profitability comes next your first duty is the safety of the money because it is your depositors money so in that situation you will come across scenarios where you feel that there are the 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 credit decision should not be taken you should not be lending money to let's say a particular business or to a particular company sometimes it happens that you have existing customers who come to you saying you know we want additional funds and this is the project that we have and would you be interested and then you you are in a competitive world today you at the back of your mind you are thinking that you know if i say no there will be some other guy who will do it and i might lose the business i might lose uh, lose the relationship what do i do but in such a scenario please understand that your first fiduciary duty is towards your depositors and i have faced this quite a few times and it is it is you know you have to walk uh, you have to walk with a very fine balance you have to gently but firmly tell your customer that uh, you know at this juncture we will not be able to go ahead the the more knowledgeable amongst your customers will understand it when you explain it to them because nobody works in isolation today okay so if if there is a certain deficiency that you find in a particular credit proposal the the person who has prepared it very well understands it and then he may understand and appreciate the fact that you don't want to take the risk and yes there will be certain customers who will who will not appreciate this fact they may say ki you know uh, if you don't uh, do it i will uh, move on to some other bank and you will lose the business and i think it's 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 there it's a part of the game sometimes you know you you will lose the business and uh, that is where your experience knowledge and maturity as a banker will come into picture when you understand that which are the credits which you should be underwriting and uh, taking and which are the risks which you should be avoiding and moving forward so this is the way you tell your client that as a bank as an organization we feel that at this juncture we will not be able to take this uh, take this risk explain it to him in my personal experience 8 out of 10 times the client understands sometimes the client might actually come back to you and then tell you that okay you are not willing to take this risk so please advise me how do i go about it if the relationship is that good if you are giving him that kind of value i have had clients who have come back to me after i have said no saying ki okay we understand and we want your opinion how we should be going ahead then you can advise them ki you know you will have to bring in more funds of yours or the promoter's funding will have to go up or you might want to wait for 6 months to 1 year when the situation improves or you can give him some other solution which you may have so this uh, it's a, it's a very very pertinent question and especially those amongst who uh, you who you know uh, will end up as bankers you will definitely face this scenario sooner or later 
Yes, sir. Um, knowing how to handle the clients carefully and keeping them happy is as important as knowing the intricacies of the business. And you know, experiencing such kind of situations and having more experience helps to you to professionally deal uh, with such clients. Absolutely. See, this is where your experience comes into the picture, and uh, this is where your what do you say? What we call within banking is this is where your relationship with your client comes into play. so if you are somebody whom the client understands that you are adding value to him it's not just that you have given a loan and he's paying he's repaying it and servicing the interest but you are his partner in his business he will definitely appreciate the fact and he will definitely take cognizance when you say that there is some risk which you will not want to take at that juncture yes i definitely agreed on that Going back uh, to history, I would like to ask you what lessons were learned and incorporated in today's financial system with respect to the two thousand and eight financial crisis, when the financial markets around the world were showing signs of a reckoning for years-long binge on cheap credit. So, again, going back in my own experience, I I started uh, my career after my MBA in the year two thousand six. So within two years, we had we had this meltdown in two thousand eight. So a lot of lessons have been learned a lot of things have changed but there are certain things which you know probably uh, we are again going back into the same phase so if you see if you see the crisis of 2008 there were certain features to it okay so it was basically it it started it started in the us and uh, because of the interconnectedness in the economies today it spread all across the world w- within the us also uh, why did it start it started because there was there was easy availability of money interest rates were low and somewhere there was there was a relaxation in terms of the credit assessment and there were a lot of complicated structured products which were being sold now if you see it has been almost 12 13 years since that in terms of where we stand in terms of the availability of the money there is still a lot of liquidity in the system if you look at whether it is the interest rates in the us in the uk or if you take closer to home in for our own policy rates which rbi is deciding we are also at the lowest so there is liquidity in the system today also in terms of easy availability of credit it is questionable it is not as easily available as maybe it was during 2000 Yeah, but still today, with the government pushing for credit, you can understand that you know banks are under pressure to lend. But yes, what has definitely changed is that banks and bankers are now looking at the credit worthiness of the borrower really, really closely, which was missing in the years leading up to two thousand eight. In the years leading up to two thousand eight, you know, anybody and everybody with you know even the worst credit history. was getting loans so that is why you had these subprime and substandard loans which were just floating around thankfully we are still not at that stage not in the global economy and definitely not here in india so we are still looking at the credit worthiness of individuals as well as businesses very very closely there is a lot of risk averseness which is there in the banking system even today which is good in one way coming back to the products yes a lot of products which were you know really really complicated and difficult to understand which were there during the years leading up to 2008 you will find that they are virtually not there now but the flip side is that their place has been taken by a few different products now 
the question mark again is that are these products really being sold in the proper manner that is what we need to ask and the answer to this will only only time will give tell us because you know there is there is no it's a judgmental call only time will tell whether there has been a selling there has been a proper selling or there has been miss selling so yes i guess there have a lot of lessons have been learned but then again we are in the current scenario we are again looking at a very very different kind of a risk in the global economy where True. you know there is there is still a lot of liquidity at some point of time central banks around the world will have to start sucking out this liquidity so we don't know what is going to happen then like i said it's 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 you know it's like we are on the bridge and we are building it as we are going ahead so anybody's guess is as good as it gets right so, so we really really appreciate you patiently answering so many questions uh, we really thank you so much for taking out time from your hectic schedule and answering our questions it was an incredibly insightful talk and will really benefit all of our listeners we really appreciate you joining us today and we look forward to engaging with you again in the future thank you again sir so much sure. thanks a lot for having me over and it was a pleasure thank you so much